Welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey friends, welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast. Doug Addison here. Hope you're having a great day, a great year. You know, it's 2019. We're moving forward. God is doing new things. And you know, I just want to look back a little bit because I release a lot of prophetic words and sometimes people can you know, forget what's going on in the bigger scheme of things. And one of the things that that I struggle with is I get the word of the month. You know, I, I just released a, a word for this month and I get those types of things and a word for the year. And sometimes you could get overwhelmed. That's why I try to use the podcast that I have and through my blog to help people stay focused on what is going on right now. And also to look back and bring things forward. Because what happened just last year, maybe nine months ago, could be birthing right now, like the birthing of a baby. It happens quite often around my prophetic words. And so I want to remind you of some things that went on last year, just about nine months ago, things that had started. And we, you know, we labored in prayer together. Many people who were part of our, our following. And last year we came together and began to pray for the revival to break out, for the judgments to be released from the state of California, and revival to come in California, because in the past moves of God, what happened in California seemed to set the pace for the rest of the world. You go back and you look, Amy Simple McPherson, back in about 1917, she launched a radio station that was a Christian radio station, actually impacted the entire world. Zeusa Street Revival happened in California, Los Angeles. It was 1906. Uh, then you bring it up a little bit. The last revival known in America, not just a move of God, but a big revival happened in the early 1970s called the Jesus People Movement. And it was California. And I'm not saying we're special or anything at all, but I'm saying if you follow these trends, you'll see that California can be a pace setter. And that's why it's important not to judge what you're seeing. Some people judge Hollywood. They judge San Francisco. They judge California maybe for being liberal. And that aside, the Lord wants to do something new. And many of us came together last year in a concerted effort of prayer. Lou Engel, Keith Ferrante, and I joined forces back in February and through April and May of last year, 2018. And we were praying for the revival to break out, that judgments would be removed against California, and that revival would come. And I tell you, when we started that, and it was based on a, a prophetic dream that uh, Mondo Matthews had, and I've had Mondo on the broadcast to tell about his dream as well. It was based on his dream that three prophets came together as one, as one voice. And it was Northern California, Keith Ferrante, Central California, me, because my office is actually located in Santa Maria and Southern California, Lou Engel. Now, the Lord really used that. And he used it suddenly after you know we pressed it in prayer and fasting. Then suddenly, the book of revival came out into the altar of heaven. I saw it. The book of revival for California was suddenly out and we removed the seals of judgments off of it and it's now open and then it just opened last fall and what that means is it's not a physical book it's a book in heaven and when books you know books of our calling or books of revival open that means the Lord is now doing things from heaven on earth as it is in heaven he's sending resources then suddenly what I've noticed since this happened is there's revelation coming right and left. People are saying, you know, I suddenly feel drawn to pray for you or pray for California or I feel drawn to move here. And that's because it's happening right now. Well, it's not just a California thing. It's a worldwide thing. And that's what revival's all about. And and I have a special guest uh, bringing him back on the show this week. He's my apostolic overseer, Che An. 
He and his wife, Sue, are the founders and senior pastors of H Rock Church in Pasadena since 94. They've been rocking and rolling there with all types of moves of God. Chase, also the founder and president of Harvest International Ministries, it's a global revival and reformation movement that goes to 65 nations and brings life. That's where, in Light Connection, we're actually under the apostolic covering of Harvest International Ministries, and he's also the chancellor of Wagner University. I was also one of the teachers there. So I've been connected with Che for a number of years, and I just love his heart and especially his apostolic calling. Plus, he's an evangelist, and that is really unusual when you come together with two types of gifts. I call it a blended gift mix, and he's got all types of other gifts, but he's got a powerful evangelistic gift. He's got a powerful leadership gift on his life, and just recently some major changes happened in his ministry, and the Lord downloaded to him a strategy on how California can change and actually impact the world. And I've had him on the podcast before where he talked about that, but you know, I just saw him a few weeks ago, and I felt like, wow, you got to have you back on the podcast. You need to talk a little bit more about what God's doing now in 2019, and not just about California, but the world and some global strategies right now. Jay, welcome to the broadcast. So great to have you back. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege. Yeah, and the um, followers maybe remember Che talking about California Dreaming. Uh, a few months back, he came on, and, you know, we just saw each other just recently at a conference and just felt the Lord say that there's, you know, there's something that needs to get out of the world. So real excited. But for those who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a pastor here in Pasadena, but I was raised uh, in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Um, my dad was the first Korean Southern Baptist pastor in North America. He came here in 1958, and so our family followed suit uh, two years later. We had some immigration problems, so we couldn't join him right away. But so I, in 1960, as a four-year-old, I arrived in the United States, and um uh, Came to know the Lord at the age of 17 during the Jesus People Movement right there in the nation's capital. Wow. I was part of a large Bible study with around 2,000 kids meeting every week. And out of that came a church planning network, a small network of churches. And it was during that season where I was an associate pastor of our anchor church, the mother church there, uh, that God gave me a dream where a black man appeared to me in the dream. And he said, the Lord's calling you to Los Angeles for this going to be a great harvest. And I woke up and I heard the words, the time of revival is at hand. So I woke up, my wife, we prayed, and long story short, we came to California in 1984. I came with another couple, Lou and Therese Engel, a few singles who joined us, and we planted the first church, which which was good, but it really wasn't the revival we're looking for. And so was uh, faithful to that church, and then in 1992, the Lord called us to just resign and itinerate. And so I did that for two years. And then the Toronto Blessing hit in 1994. Also that uh, revival hit Los Angeles through the Anaheim Vineyard. And that's where I I felt like I was born again, again, and just getting personally revived, uh, experiencing things I've never experienced before, like shaking violently, holy laughter. I've been saved since 73 and baptized with the Holy Spirit since 74, but never experienced that kind of manifestation. Well, it's not so much about the manifestation, but it's the fruit. And the fruit was is that I felt a uh, a real call to go back into church planting, and we planted the church in 1994, and that's now known as H Rock Church. And that church has been really hosting the Holy Spirit ever since. We had nightly meetings for three years, from 96 to ni- uh, 99, and then. Our church was the church with Lou Engel sponsored the prayer movement called The Call. And we had an amazing turnout of uh, half a million people on the Washington, D.C. Mall, September 2nd, 2000. And during this time, the Lord also spoke to me about starting an apostolic network, a church planning movement. It was a prophetic word from Cindy Jacobs that um, initiated that. And so Harvest International Ministry was launched, and now we're in by the grace of God in 70 nations, and it's been an amazing ride. But as I shared the last time I was on your podcast, Doug, that um, 
2017, October, uh, the Lord really began to speak to my wife and me to turn our heart back to the United States and to really see revival and reformation come to the United States, as beginning in our city of Los Angeles and California. And so uh, we started an initiative uh, called California Dreaming, and again, it's a long story, but the Lord began to speak to me about planting churches. He said, you planted churches all over the world, but you haven't initiated planting churches in America. And so uh, I shared it with our team, our pastors in, uh, in America, and I called for a pastor's gathering in Southern California in December of 2017. And the response was amazing. And then in 2018, we started California Dreaming for real, and we actually started to plant churches. So we're doing this. Uh, you know, it's, it's slow going because church planting is not easy. You know, we planted four churches in 2018. But our goal is to saturate California and the United States with many churches, life-giving churches, unto transformation. We really want to see California become a pro-life, pro-family state. And that's our end game. That's what we want to see. And we know that transformed lives will bring about that uh, goal. And so to me, I, I learned from Peter Wagner, my mentor, the most effective way to fulfill the Great Commission is through church planning. Because you're ministering to people in a holistic way. It's not just student evangelism, which is wonderful, or children's evangelism. But when you plant a church, you minister children, to students, to singles, married couples, seniors, the whole gamut. And so um, God's been very, very gracious. And, and so we're really excited about uh, what the Lord's doing. We've seen a, a lot of souls saved already as we turn our heart back to California. Yeah, this is so powerful. And, you know, I love this, that you go from shaking, uh, you know, with an, an encounter with the Holy Spirit in <laughs> 94. And I love what yeah. you said. It's the fruit. Now, there's some yeah. major fruit, you know, having the call, having revival, having sustained. Even I, I, I remember hearing you talk once that even the crime rate changed during your, yeah. your your time of meetings. Now, that's amazing. Yeah. When we first moved out to Pasadena, Pasadena was the murder capital of Los Angeles. As you know, L.A. is made of so many different cities. But we were averaging a homicide a day, and it was because of the gang wars between the Bloods and the Crips in northwest section of Pasadena. And so think about it, Doug. You know, 365 murders a year yeah. just in our small city of 110,000. And what happened was is that when we started the protracted meetings in 1995, I said 96, but actually we started in 1995, at the same time, we got a new chief of police. And you could say, you know, uh, and by the way, he was Christian, too. He was a spiritual believer that maybe this is anecdotal or it's coincidence, but we've seen so much happen in our city that I was talking to Lance Wano about it because he's into the Seven Mountain Mandate and transforming cities and transforming a nation. And uh, I said it could sound anecdotal, coincidence that this happened, but he encouraged me. He said, no, that's a very vital sign. So what happened was is that the police and the FBI eventually moved the gangs out of Pasadena. Now Pasadena is one of the safest cities in Los Angeles. Wow. I can't remember the last <laughs> time there was a homicide. Right. And so, you know, you, you know, you could say, yes, revival holds the Holy Spirit, heavy nightly means for three years, clear the atmosphere. But also, practically, God used you know, the police department and FBI to clean up our city. So that's one example. But let me give you two more. Old Pasadena was a red light district area, the adult bookstores. And you go there now, you can't find an adult bookstore in Pasadena. You don't see prostitutes in Pasadena. I'm not saying they're not there, but the old Pasadena red light district area is now high-end restaurants, stores. It is such a tourist attraction. And so we saw a transformation there. Probably the biggest thing we saw, Doug, was we saw a cult headquarters in Pasadena called the Worldwide Church of God, founded by Herbert Armstrong, and he had the Plain Truth magazine, got 300,000 members worldwide. But we have seen that cult become born again, and they're now part of the National Association of Evangelical Churches, and uh, they're believers now. And yeah. they repented of all their false doctrine, and we're good friends with the leadership, 
And it's been amazing to see all these things happen in our city. Yeah, you know, I had heard that story, but I didn't, I didn't realize it was in Pasadena. Now, this is so powerful yeah. because... Yeah, it was headquarters right here. Uh, yeah, you, you know what? Because of the fruit, because of your track record, that's why when you uh, start sharing about the California dream and, you know, about the, the strategy to change not only the spiritual atmosphere of uh, California, but the political atmosphere through yeah. the church planting. And when I heard that, I thought... Wow, this is new wineskin stuff here, guys. And it's proven and backed up, honestly, by this track record of the Holy Spirit and uh, through operating through Che and, and Sue and their ministry. Well, I'm glad you emphasized, you know, by the Holy Spirit, because, you know, uh, I say it over and over again, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. You know, there's no way we could have done anything like this, of seeing a cult become born again or see the crime rate drop, uh, et cetera. But um, this is what encourages me. I do know by the grace of God, I was able to mobilize every single stream, every single denomination that wanted to pray in Washington, D.C. Lou was a visionary leader, but I was the president of the call from 2000 to 2003. And I helped um, do seven major events, six stadium events, and one Washington, D.C. mall. And what the Lord gave me was grace to bring people together from different streams with a common goal to pray for revival. And so we had over half a million that showed up. And so this gave me encouragement about California Dreaming because I just said, Lord, this seems so monumental, seems overwhelming. But the Lord reminded me, didn't I help you to mobilize for the call and do the same thing? You know, I, I, I want you to mobilize different streams to plant churches in California. So, Doug, this is really a kingdom thing. I'm not, we're not just going to be HIM planting churches. I want to see every denomination, every movement, uh, apostolic network, whatever you want to call them, that's interested in impacting California. We want to help them to plant churches. So practical things we're doing to facilitate this is that I'm going to be hosting a gathering of pastors. I've been doing ad hoc, and I've been doing this, but I want to do this on a regular basis. Number two, I've been doing a church planning seminar, and we've had a tremendous response to that. The last one, we had over 100 people, and so we want to continue to do these church planning seminars. And number three, we are establishing a foundation called California Dreaming, where people can tap into finances and get a grant or financial aid in church planning. Because a lot of times people want to plan a church uh, but they can't even buy a sound system because, you know, the churches that are sending them out, it's just, God bless you, go for it. But, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we'll give you some people maybe, and their tithes may be able to help you cover your expense. But we also want to be able to practically serve these new church plants. So it's really a kingdom initiative. We want as many people who are like-minded to plant these churches with us. And so, to me, I don't care if it's a Vineyard Church or even Calvary Chapel or Southern Baptist, that they are intent on seeing California become pro-life and pro-family, and that we will see a shift from the extreme left agenda of California into more of a kingdom-valued California. Now, that's yeah. what we want. And right, so exactly. I think there's a lot of people who would be like-minded about that. Yeah, and you can go back— Listeners, you go back to episode 46 of my podcast or just type in Doug Addison, California Dreaming or Cheon, California Dream. You'll see it. Episode 46. Listen to this because that's where he gives the whole prophetic word and how powerful it is. Now, basically, you've got this apostolic anointing. And I, I love the way you, you said it couldn't have happened, you know, without the Holy Spirit. But you had to say yes in this. And you know, there's a mantle of, of the apostolic on you, and you just recently released a new book. Yes, I did. It just came out um, uh, second week in January called Modern Day Apostles with Destiny Publication. And uh, really, this book is like 10 years in the making because I, I started a school called the School of Apostles. It was just a graduate course in the university called Wagner University, which is a uh, university that Peter Wagner founded in 1998. But when he turned 80 in 2010, uh, he commissioned me to take over the school. And so it's been under my 
oversight since then. And so I would teach a course called the School of Apostles. And it would be only 20 couples. It would be very small, intimate. It wouldn't be something that I would open up to the public, mainly because I wanted to be invitation-only. People I really felt were emerging apostles or they were functioning apostles. And to have this course, and basically the course was called 30 Characteristics of an Apostle. So over time, as I gave these lectures every year, after like eight years of doing it, I just realized that that God wanted me to write a book. And so the book became Modern Day Apostles. But really, it's the 30 characteristics of an apostle. And I begin in the introduction just saying, what is an apostle? Because, you know, you're so prophetic, uh, Doug, and people know that as a prophetic evangelist, you know, they understand even those two words together, being prophetic and as an evangelist, we know what an evangelist is. Someone who wins souls to Jesus, shares, and like Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham. And then the prophetic, you know, there's been so much restoration of, of prophets and the prophetic. We all know that we could all prophesy. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. So we know what it means to be prophetic, what it means to be evangelistic, that every believer must be involved in the Great Commission some way. You know, this is not just for the evangelist, but every believer. But what does it mean to be apostolic? And for years, people have thought that apostles were, A, missionaries, or B, church planters, and they think, well, I'm not a missionary, I don't feel called to plant a church, and so they just basically dismiss the notion of being apostolic. So I go into the whole thing. Why did Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 13, gather, after praying all night, by the way, gather his disciples together, pick 12, and called them apostolos, which is a Greek word for apostle. Why did he pick a sacred term? I mean, think about it. If he said prophets, they would have immediately understood because Israel had a history of prophets, including Abraham, who's the father of our faith. He was called a prophet. And then you have the great prophets like Elijah and Elisha. You have the great prophets uh, who wrote most of the Old Testament, like Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel. So you've had tremendous prophets leading up to John the Baptist, who was the greatest of all prophets. So if Jesus said, you're going to be my prophets, and it's going to be a new wineskin, it's going to be different. John the Baptist was the last of the old dispensation or old covenant prophets. They would have gone there. They said, wow, what a privilege. But he used a term that was somewhat offensive, because apostles existed in the Roman Empire, and they were not popular people. The Roman Empire, their whole MO was to conquer territory. And they learned very quickly, and and the empire had been hundreds of years in the making already when Jesus is around. And um, Julius Caesar was the uh, greatest emperor, uh, and he died 50 years before Jesus was born. Jesus was born under his nephew, Augustus Caesar. So Caesars were around, emperors were around during Jesus' time. And so the Roman Empire, their whole MO was to conquer territory. But they realized unless they brought Roman culture and Roman laws into these conquered territories right away, people would rebel. So they basically had someone to enforce those laws, and he was called an apostle. He was either a general or an admiral, if it was a coastal city, or a governor. And so these were brutal people that, by force, enforced the Roman culture in the conquered territory. So when Jesus says, you're my apostles, the connotation of that, I'm sure, was just because they hated the Romans. They were pagans. They believed in multiple gods. And, of course, we know that Pontius Pilate, when Jesus was being crucified, was the governor of Palestine. And by the way, he was not based in Jerusalem, but in Caesarea by the sea. That was the headquarters. So when you go to Caesarea by the sea today, 2,000 years later, where archaeologists have excavated and dug up the whole city, it is like a miniature Rome. It is unbelievable. You have a Colosseum there. You walk around, and there's a Colosseum. There's a Hippodrome where they have the chariot races. All the buildings are Roman and uh, an architect. And... And so here's the reason why. If the emperor decided to visit Palestine, he would come to Caesarea by the sea. It was a natural port, and he would feel at home in Caesarea by the sea. So Jesus says, 
I'm calling you apostles because I also have a kingdom, and I also have a kingdom culture. But wherever you go, I want you to enforce kingdom culture, not by brute or arm force. It's by coming into the spirit, by being a servant, by loving people, by bringing my kingdom values wherever you go. And so he goes on the Sermon on the Mount and begins to unfold what those values are. And it's like an upside-down kingdom. And so to, to sum it up, you know, what I'm saying is, is that if we want to be apostolic, we are people to bring heaven's culture, kingdom culture, wherever we go. And anyone could do that in the workplace, in your neighborhood, at school. And so it's not to be a church planner or a missionary, but to bring the values of God's kingdom, to bring heaven on earth. And of course, we start by praying that, and Jesus taught us to pray that in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is a very powerful theological prayer and statement, because we have to ask, what's in heaven? Well, we know there's no sickness in heaven, and that's why Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom and healed every sickness, every disease. He also cast out demons, because there's no one demonized in heaven. But if we just take it even further, there's no poverty in heaven, so our goal is to eradicate systemic poverty on earth. There's no injustice in heaven, and so we have to bring biblical justice to earth. There's no racism in heaven, so we have to see the kind of reconciliation and unity, because, you know, we are to be peacemakers, you know, and those blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called truly the sons of God. And so these are things that um, I believe we can be, all of us as believers can do in our sphere, in our whatever metron God's given us in life, and by doing so, we're being apostolic. But unless we're conscious of that, unless we understand that we're to be an apostolic people, uh, we're not going to be as mindful of this. Now, uh, so I, I began by sharing what is an apostle. And so I believe apostles are people who are called, raised by God, to bring about transformation of society. And that's why in Matthew 28, he called the apostles to himself, minus Judas, and gave them what's called the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, make disciples of nations. And what's really amazing, Doug, he didn't say just make disciples in nations or win souls in nations and disciple them. He said, I want you to disciple nations. I want you to transform nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it's a real powerful uh, you know, mandate that we've received from the Lord. And uh, so I'm really excited about this book. I hope we can see a Jesus revolution <laughs> as a result of um, uh, this book called Modern Day Apostles. Yeah, that's amazing revelation. So basically, it's it's more of uh, an apostle is more of a function as opposed to a title. Absolutely. You know, rarely does anyone call me Apostle Che. Seriously, you know, most people call me Papa Che because I'm a grandfather, right? But it's a function. I know certain church cultures, you know, they use titles like bishop, you know, like Bishop Joseph Garlington is a dear friend of mine. Whenever I'm there, when I'm around him, I know he likes to be called bishop. And same with Bishop Bill Hammond. He was with us at the Prophetic Destiny. And so I don't call him Bill. That's just not honoring. He likes to be called bishop. Now, we don't use that in our network. But, uh, you know, I try to contextualize to really serve the leader in his own church culture, whatever that might be. Yeah. But for us, it's a function. It is absolutely a function. And just like I don't call James called Prophet James, you know, it's a function. And so so that's the way we look at the fivefold ministry. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, I want to encourage everybody to get this book because it might not be what you think, obviously. Modern Apostles by Cheon, and you'll find it on Amazon. You'll It's everywhere, right? Yeah, it's Amazon.com. is the but you could go to our resource center. You could go to um, H-Rock Church or HarvestIM.org yeah, and the, just check us out. Yeah, it's so good, man. I just love it. Now, basically what you're doing is bringing this message that, that is so prevalent right now, and I've been a big one on it, is on earth as it is in heaven. So basically bringing heaven to earth seems to be what the Lord's doing right now. Yeah, well, you know, I go back. 
to the garden. From the very beginning, he told man, before he sinned, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue the enemy, take dominion. Why did he say fill the earth? Because he never intended for the garden, which is heaven on earth, was paradise, was perfect, to be in a small geographic location in the Middle East. He wanted it to start there, but he wanted to have it encircle the globe. So that's why he said, fill the earth. Wherever you go, you're going to bring heaven, and you're going to extend heaven here on earth. So we see from the very beginning that was God's heart. And then, of course, man sinned, but then you have a prophetic picture of heaven on earth through the Ark of the Covenant. Because he said, I want you to go, he told Moses, to build this ark with the two cherubs facing each other. And he said, my presence will go with you. My presence will be between the two two cherubs. And so the ark represented the presence of God. And so much so that in Second Samuel 6, when David was trying to bring the ark to Jerusalem, you know, he put it on a wagon instead of reading the Bible and realizing that the Levites had to carry the ark with poles. And they had to do it by, you know, on their shoulders. But he put it on, you know, the cabin, which is, you know, typical of every generation. We want things fast, you know, we want, you know, we want expediency without really understanding how holy this is. And Uzzah, the cart, you know, the wagon, you know, the story tipped over and he put his hand on the ark and he was struck dead. And so David, you know, fear comes into his heart. And so he puts the ark in a man's home named Obed-Edom, who was a Gittite, or in other words, he was a Philistine. And he's thinking that if anyone dies, let it be a Philistine, not another Jew. But just the opposite happens. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 6 that Obed-Edom and his whole household was blessed because he was bringing heaven, the presence of God, on earth into his home. And so David, recognizing that, uh, brought the ark to Jerusalem as quick as he could, but he actually, it took him a while because every six steps he sacrificed a bull, which was thousands of bulls, to uh, honor God and worship God with this extravagant sacrifice and offering. Yeah. And then, of course, we see when Solomon built the uh, temple, he put the ark there, and Second Chronicles 5, the glory of God came, heaven on earth again, to the point where the priest could not, you know, function. So the temple then all of a sudden represented heaven on earth. Then we come to the New Testament, and here's the shift, the big shift with Jesus. You know, John says it this way in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is tabernacle. It's the same word used about the ark that was in a tent. That tabernacle with the people of Israel representing heaven on earth, the presence of God, as they journeyed through the wilderness. Jesus now is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he dwelt among us, and he's representing heaven on earth, literally, heaven invading earth. But the beautiful thing is, is that after his death and resurrection, he says, before he died, he promised that you're going to be better off. If I go away, because if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so the disciples in the upper room, 120, received the Holy Spirit, and now it's amazing because now the Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. We are carriers of his glory. And wherever we go as God's people, we bring heaven on earth. So the point I'm trying to say is that we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But God's answer to bringing heaven on earth is spirit-filled believers carrying his presence wherever we go and bringing transformation and light and love. And so, you know, the problem is, is that unfortunately, Christians, you know, they're just waiting to die to go to heaven instead of being heaven on earth here. Right. You know, they just, just want to escape instead of being salt and light and occupying until he comes. And so this is why this message, uh, what it means to be apostolic, modern-day apostles, uh, I'm trying to get to people to say, God wants to use you to bring heaven to earth. And so it's really exciting when we begin to realize our divine assignment, 
and, uh, and all of a sudden our identity is activated into a whole different level, which will help us fulfill our destiny because everyone has a God-given destiny. Yeah, this is so powerful. I love the way you practically bring it. This is so deep. You know, this is like a lifetime of uh, of research, this is a lifetime of living this stuff out. And, and now it's being presented in such a way that this is doable. You know, you can do this. You don't have to. You don't have to go to Bible college or it'd be great if you can or school of ministry, but you can actually do this stuff in your everyday life. And and I know that you teach that in your church and your community as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd say that's the other function of an apostle uh, uh, and the fivefold. And Ephesians 4.11 is a key passage, and he gave some to be apostles. By the way, that word some means that not everyone's called to be an apostle, not everyone's called to be a prophet or an evangelist, pastor, or teacher, but some are. So there are some. And uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You know, it's it's amazing in America, based on George Barnett, only 1% of the church is in vocational full-time ministry. And even most pastors are bivocational. They're like Paul. They're pen makers. And so it's ridiculous to think that 1% is going to get the job done of seeing nations being discipled. Our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So every saint, every believer is a king. He's a priest. He's a minister. And I think one of the greatest truths that came out of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus is that the Bible says because of what he's done, that he's made us a, uh, you know, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're, we're brand new people, and he raised us up to be kings and priests. So Revelation 1.6 says that, Revelation 5.10 says we're kings and priests. And so kings are to rule. They're to take dominion. Priests are to minister. And we're both kings and priests. And so every believer needs to understand that this is uh, God's call in their lives, and that whether they're in the marketplace or whatever they're called to, they're still called to be a king and a priest. And so this is my uh, joy. You know, I love to activate people into ministry and to realize that, you know, we're we're trying to give away ministry, not, you know, just be everything to all things to every person. That's exhausting, you know, when I think about it. So we're in a new day. And in fact, Bishop Bill Hammond wrote a book uh, maybe around five, eight years ago called The Day of the Saints. And uh, basically he says we're in the day where apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors have been restored, not to its fullness, but for the most part. And uh, we're now to equip the saints for the work of ministry. and, And now we're in that season of the Day of the Saints. So... It's really exciting to be a believer um, as long as they have the right theology, you know, because if they're thinking, well, I'm just buying time until Jesus comes back or I go home to be with the Lord. You know, I, I think this is the mentality that the Jewish people had. They believed in heaven. It's interesting, in Matthew four seventeen, Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as you know, Doug, that word repent, yes, it does include turning away from your sin, but the word repent, the Greek word metanoeo, literally means to change the way you think, to change your mind, to do a paradigm shift. And I think Jesus was saying, do a paradigm shift of not thinking that one day if you're good, you'll go to heaven, but think that right now heaven is at hand. You could have heaven now. And and I feel that people need to realize that we have, you know, his kingdom at hand now and that we have a task to advance his kingdom. And uh, it's the most exciting time in church history to do this. And, you know, what an incredible calling. And, and frankly, we're going to have to give an account of how we used our time before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great day of judgment, but the judgment seat of Christ which is a good thing because, you know, it's where we get our rewards for how we stewarded the call in our lives. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so you know, it's, it's a real positive thing, but we still have to, um, you know, make the most of our time for the days are evil. So that's why I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just consumed with, you know, advancing his kingdom. That's all I can say. I just think, eat, drink, breathe it. 
And, you know, every morning is such a, an exciting day. And uh, I just love Jesus. I want to just do his will. I want to see his kingdom come. And there's nothing, you know, more fulfilling than to live for his glory, to live for the advancement of his kingdom. And I think that's the way God wants all of us to live, you know. So whatever you do, do all for the glory of God, right? And so we're living a very, very exciting time. Yeah, and you can tell, I always say this, uh, I don't want to sound judgmental to anybody, because, you know, I've been a church planter and pastor myself, and if your kids are in ministry or if they're still believers in ministry, that's that's a, a testimony. That's the fruit. And you have children how many children do you have? Well, I have four adult children, and uh, and by the grace of God, again, all of them love Jesus. They're all serving God in their own way, including um, two who are doing it full-time vocationally and one part-time. But I have three daughters, and one of them is a pastor, and she's working full-time for HIM as the uh, vice president of Harvest International Ministry. But the other daughters are stay-at-home moms. And, uh, you know, we have six grandchildren, so wow. uh, they're serving God. But they, they were all at one time on staff at our church, and so um, they're very, very godly. It's a real reflection on my wife. My wife is amazing. So, um, you know, we've been married uh, this year. will be 40 years, and, you know, she uh, we homeschooled our kids. And she was an elementary school teacher when I met her uh, when we were single, and she wanted to homeschool our kids. And and as a result of that, uh, you know, in California, we thought of our kids as just that even back when they were young, just the sex education course was so ungodly back then even. It's more so now because now they're teaching same-sex marriage and transgender identity and, you know, the multiple different identities you have and all that. And so so we wanted to teach them our values, so we homeschooled our kids and by the way, homeschooling has just taken off in uh, California. It's like doubled. And it's not Christians who are homeschooling. It's, you know, people who are just uh, tired of the kind of um, left-wing agenda that the Board of Education has here in California. So people who are not even believers are choosing to homeschool their kids uh, because they just so disagree with the values that are being forced down the throat of yeah. these young people. So anyway, um, so we homeschooled our kids, and they all came to know the Lord at a young age. We've been walking with the Lord ever since, so we're very, very blessed and grateful. And um, and I also thank God for my parents, because I know I'm here because of their Christian walk, my dad being a pastor. And uh, really, uh, on my dad's side, it goes all the way back to um, 1907, uh, my great-grandmother, came to know the Lord uh, through the Pyongyang Revival in 1907, when wow. it's now Pyongyang, North Korea. And then on my mother's side, her parents, my grandparents, were like elders of the largest Presbyterian church in South Korea, called Yongnok Presbyterian Church, helping uh, found that church in 1948. So very godly roots on both sides. And and I know that that blessing is being carried on to my children and my grandchildren. Two of my grandkids have come to know the Lord um, already, and we just see that generational blessing. And for those who are listening, you know, you just say, well, I'm the first-generation Christian. But, you know, starting with you, you are going to be a blessing to your children and to your children's children uh, until the Lord comes. And so I prophesy that, just receive that, because... You know, he has redeemed us from the curse of law, having become a curse for us. So whatever generation curse you may have had, once you give your life to the Lord, that curse is broken. And now you begin the great legacy of uh, golly generations to come. So I just prophesied that to those who are hearing. Yeah, come on now. Well, we're talking with Cheon, co-founder of Harvest Rock or H-Rock Church and HIM Ministries, and lots of different things, author of many books, and his latest one, Modern Day Apostles. And if you're ever in Pasadena, you want to come to H Rock Church, but you don't have to because they also stream online. Do you, is there a website or something we get a hold of you? Yeah, yeah, H Rock Church, just Google that or just go to hrockchurch.org, one word, H Rock Church. Uh, we were called Harvest Rock when we first started, but in 2010 we changed our name because I gave a, a, a teaching series with um, the word H, and it does represent harvest, but I also said it represents Holy Spirit. 
represents heaven on earth, represents holiness, represents healing, represents humility, etc. And I began to share some kingdom values using the word H. And all of a sudden, I just felt like those words represent who we are. So instead of just saying Harvest Rock, I'm just going to shorten it to say H Rock Church. And that's how we changed our name, because there's so many great values uh, with the word H. Yeah, it's powerful. I didn't know that part of the story. I do remember it changing. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, now you know the rhyme and reason. <laughs> I know. It's powerful. It reminded me of Amy Simple McPherson for some reason when I first heard it uh, as part of her church planting and stuff. So we were talking briefly about the California Dream, and I just want to remind everybody to to look up, or you could just Google Doug Addison, California Dream, and Che on either one of us, or episode 46 of my podcast where we go into the details. But is there a website specifically for that? Well, there is a California Dream, and if you just Google California Dream, but uh, it's also linked with Harvest I Am for International Ministry dot org. So Harvest I Am dot org, and so uh, that's our apostolic network. So California Dreaming is a ministry under HIM, yeah, Harvest International Ministry, and so uh, but it's blown up into a significant already ministry that it has its own website as well. So California Dreaming or Harvest International Ministry. You can just Google that and, and look that up. Yeah, and I'd encourage you to look at that, listen to the previous podcast, because it'll give you a whole fresh view of how to pray for California, how to pray for revival. It'll restore your hope with the, some of the news stories you're hearing and, you know, the, the things. And, and here here we are, a bunch of us out here on the West Coast living on a fault line, you know, believing the Lord's going to do something new, and he is and uh, it's about to happen, and it's partly because of people like Che and Sue on who've given their entire lives to the ministry. We're so grateful for you, Che. Thank you for coming on. But I want to get you to, to just pray uh, a blessing activation over us. Sure. I would be uh, happy to. And again, Doug, it's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for initiating this and having me on. But let me just pray. I, I want to pray. An apostolic blessing. I want to pray a Father's blessing on those who are listening. Like I said, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. And so uh, most of you who are listening, I could probably be old enough to be your dad. So, Father, I just want to pray a Father's blessing. Those who've had uh, no fathers or an absentee father or those who have come out of broken homes, I just pray for a massive revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of the Father heart, the love of God. It just come upon those who are hearing that truly that you would baptize those who are listening with a baptism of love afresh, knowing that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, just come and fill each person who's listening and refresh them even now and give them a greater revelation of your love. But I also pray for an impartation of the apostolic, that you would make us an apostolic people that we would understand it's not just being a church planner or a leader of a network or, or um, a missionary, but we're all to bring heaven's culture wherever we go. We're to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. We're to preach the good news of God's kingdom. We're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But actually, we are also our carriers of your glory, and that wherever we go, we can shift the atmosphere, and that we could bring justice and righteousness where there's injustice we could bring reconciliation where there's racism that we could bring prosperity and abundance where there's been poverty and so lord i pray that you would prosper the listeners even now financially and in the full sense of the word prosperity bless them so they can be a blessing lord that's the covenant you made with our father spiritual father abraham i'm going to bless you so all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I do pray a blessing on all the marriages and families that are listening right now, that you will strengthen the home, because as the family goes, so goes the church. And bless the churches that are represented here right. on this podcast. And I pray for revival in America, that you would just uh, render heavens to come down and revive your people. And Lord, help us to return to our first love, so that in your power, motivated by your love and grace, we can change our world. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. Man, so powerful. Thank you so much. Jayon Rock. I just want to say thank you, and I hope uh, you'll have me back on again. <laughs> oh, would love to. It was so powerful. And uh, we're supporting you, and we, we support HIM. Plus, um, we're supporting the California Dream, and I love the vision. I love it. Encourage people to check it out on the Internet, listen to the podcast, Get involved and and just be praying for him because there's a there's a spiritual shift happening in California, but there's also a political shift that could happen as well, which are coinciding. Yeah. We're excited. For yeah. One, one, one last thing, you know, uh, we don't shy away from political shifts because it's really interesting. And if, if I have time, I mean, uh, you know, forgive yeah. me for take, take a little bit, a few more seconds. Go but ahead. It's interesting that Paul was called to the children of Israel to the Gentiles, and to kings. And this is in Acts chapter 9. I don't remember the exact verse. And the reason why kings is because I believe, let me just quote a person who said that the harvest is among the poor, but transformation takes place among kings. This is from Lance Ronald's quote. And I thought about that, and I said, yeah, you know, it takes kings. Those are people of influence. Like, for example... You know, we, we have abolition of slavery and the slave trade ended in England in the early 1800s because of a king, a, mem- a member of parliament named William Wilberforce. And it took his tireless work to see something dramatically shift in England. Slave trade was the number one source of income for England, and he was able to do a paradigm shift for the whole nation to show the evils of slave trade and slavery. And then Parliament finally passed to make it illegal. And so thank God for godly people in leadership. And so I'm believing that God will raise up the righteous and remove the unrighteous here in California. And I want to encourage those who are listening, if you feel called, run for office. We need men and women of God to be kings in the marketplace and the government mountain. So that's my closing statement. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to share that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I always tell people, you know, I'm not a political prophet in in a sense, but I do have an assignment to pray, and I'm political privately in my life. And, you know, we pray by name, and we have, uh, you know, we're, we're very active, but not in the sense of, you know, hating other uh, certain people and things like that. So I encourage not. people right. to have etiquettes and, 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 the, and the power of love and and I know that flows from you as you in your entire ministry. So anyway, hey everybody, so grateful to have Che on and go check out his stuff and follow him on the internet. And you're just a, it's just going to be a, a an entire blessing that's going to open up not only over California, the world, but over you. All right, everybody, see you next time. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com.